The following message is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe can be found at axechurchleander.com. Good morning, Axe Church Leander. Our Bible reading for today comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Thank you so much, Jill. Thank you so much, Terry. Uh, and I'd invite you guys to pray with me as we uh, dive into our message today. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are a good God. Lord, you are a God who has plans for your people. You are a God who is constantly calling us uh, back to you and back together, Lord. And so as we continue to look at uh, what you are doing in our homes, Lord, whether it be an apartment, whether it be uh, a house, whether, wherever you have us, Father, Lord, uh, you are calling us to cultivate relationships with you and relationships with others. And so we just humbly ask that you speak in this time. Lord, we say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. Well, again, good morning, Axe Church. We are in this series called Homeward, uh, and we've been talking about how do we cultivate homes that are healthy. We started off by talking about homes that restore, and how do we cultivate a home that when we come to, when we open up that front door, we are poured into from our soul, emotionally, spiritually, physically. Last week, we talked about how do we cultivate homes that celebrate. We had those jar of thanksgivings that we've started, where at the end of the year, we're going to be able to get to look back and say, God, what are all the different things that you gave us as gifts? Whether they be celebrations we had, whether they be things that we were able to conquer, diseases we were able to get past, but to be able to say, no, as Christians, we want to celebrate the good that God has given us. And today is probably the heart of cultivating a home. Because we're going to be talking about cultivating a home that matures spiritually. One of the things I love about this church, Acts Church Leander, is that none of us are trying to phone in our relationship with God. None of us are trying to say, you know what, church is just something that we do. It's part of our culture, but it's not part of our heart. Now, everyone who comes to Acts Church Leander is actively trying to seek God, draw closer to him, and they're trying for their whole family to have that same experience. And in fact, the times where if we ever get to the point where we are not cultivating homes as families, as individuals that are drawing closer to God, drawing closer to Jesus, I can guarantee you 98% of our church is just going to peace out. That's how important cultivating a relationship with God, maturing spiritually is, not just to us as individuals, but to us as everyone in our church. It's the priority. We want to mature spiritually in our faith. And there are these two myths, though, sometimes that can get in our way of helping ourselves or helping others mature in their faith. And one of the myths is that all we have to do is know the right answers to a question. And so we can say, well, I already know who Jesus is. Or this family member, they know who Jesus is. They might not be actively following him, but they know. And what we see in scripture is that Jesus does not expect us to take a quiz. When he calls his disciples, he doesn't say, hey guys, I need you to answer these five questions right, and that's what it means to be a follower of me. Instead, he says, come and follow, and I'll teach you all the right answers, but more than that, I will teach you how to be in a relationship with God. I will teach you how to be in a relationship with others, and I will teach you how to live. 
Right? And so one of the myths is that we just have to know the right answers, and Jesus pretty emphatically says, no, that, that's not how I'm going to do it. But there is a flip side, and the other side is that if we really want to mature spiritually, we have to do the right things, we have to earn it. And that is just as dangerous of a myth as saying, no, I don't have to earn it, I just have to know the right answers. Uh, over the last couple of months, I've uh, been following a guy named Phil Vishner, and he's most famous for creating VeggieTales. And so if you uh, remember 10, 20 years ago, VeggieTales was the thing for Christians, right? It literally raised up an entire generation of children in the faith. It was a creative way to tell the stories of the Bible. And at one point, they were saying that VeggieTales was going to be the Christian Disney. It was blowing up. It was making media all over the place. And then it all fell apart. But unlike so many of the Christian organizations that fall apart because of some kind of scandal, right? The, the CEO or the leaders, they do something wrong. That's not what happened. Phil just made some bad business decisions. They, they bought more than they could actually consume. They, they, they overextended. And as he reflects on his relationship with God in that moment, in that season, he says these words. He said, I discovered I was making the work I did for God more important than my relationship with God. So my entire young adult life was pursuing this dream of what I could do for the kingdom. I was killing myself. You see, until I was able to do nothing with God and just rest in my relationship with him, I wasn't really ready to do anything for God. That sentiment that we have to earn God's respect, that we have to earn God's love, that we have to somehow earn our way into heaven before our relationship can really be solid with him, before we can spiritually mature, is so dangerous and toxic because it is so anti-everything Jesus stood for. You see, Jesus knew that we were never going to be able to work our way into heaven. We were never going to be able to pray enough prayers, do enough good, leave a big enough impact to earn God's love. And so instead, we have a Jesus, we have a Messiah who says, no, I will incarnate, I will become flesh, I will move into the neighborhood, as one translation puts it. And God comes to us, not when we had earned it, not because we were special, but because he loved us. And so we find that the relationship with God comes first. And through that relationship, he teaches us how to be with him. I love how Phil says that until I was just able to be with God, no strings attached. He goes, that I wasn't ready to do anything for God. And yet, as we learn to be with God, we then learn how to walk with him, love like him. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today, cultivating a relationship, cultivating homes. And you see this as early as the first disciples when they're telling the first witness story of who Jesus was and what Jesus came to do in Acts 2, Peter says this. Nope. Uh? Easter jam. Let's, uh... Can you click on the Acts slide? There we go. All right, sorry about that. Uh, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Peter is telling the story of who Jesus is. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and all the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you 
In the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and for all who, your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. One of the things I love about this scripture is that this gift with God is always expanding. Um, it's, it's always moving farther out. There we go. Sorry, guys. We're going to get this thing figured out. I promise. Um, it's always moving forward. It's always taking more ground. It's always building more relationship capital. And so this gift, this love of Jesus, is not just for you, but it's for everyone in your home. It's for everyone in your family. It's for your friends. It's for your community. For all who are far off, we have a God who says, I will leave the 99 sheep to go and seek the one because I want to have a relationship with them. We have a God who wants to have a relationship with you. We have a God who wants to have, for you to have a relationship with everyone else, with your community, and with your word. That's, that's the promise from Acts. But then we got to get into, okay, so what does that look like? How do we actually cultivate it? And that's where our scripture reading comes from today. And it's from Deuteronomy, and we're going to read it together, and we're going to see if this goes. There is a chance it's going to kick back to the Easter video. All right, no, we're good. Sweet. All right. Hear, O Israel. Uh, Israel means those who wrestle with God, so I always find a lot of empathy and a lot of connection there. Hear all who wrestle with God. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all, with all your strength. And these commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. And press upon them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them down on the four, uh, four door frames of your houses and on your gates. What I love about this scripture is it starts off by saying, love the Lord your God with everything you got, right? It is both relational, but it's also prescriptive. You see, right before this section of scripture, God had been talking to his people about the Ten Commandments. He'd been talking to his people about, hey, this is how you live. This is what you're supposed to do as the people of God, as the family of God. And so in this, we see two things. We see both a relational component and a prescriptive component of how we develop spiritually. We're supposed to love God with everything we have because God loved us with everything he had. He sent his son. He did not consider that too high of a price, too high of a cost to have a relationship with us. And out of response to that, we love God with our heart. We love God with our mind. We love God with our bodies. We love God with everything that he has given us as gifts. And we say, Father, we want to have a relationship with you. But not only do we want to have a relationship with you, we want to be in a rhythm where we are learning from you. That as we are with you, you are teaching us how to love our neighbor as ourselves. You are teaching us how to care for others. You are teaching us how to live a righteous life. And righteous is not some pure and noble thing. It's not putting on the white cloak. It's not being prim and proper. No, righteousness means to be in right relationship to be in right relationship with God and to be in right relationship with others. And right now, we need a God who specializes in being in right relationship with others because right now, as a society, we are tearing ourselves apart. 
And yet we have in Jesus. What we have as we cultivate the spiritual maturity is a God who says, I'm going to teach you a different way. I'm going to teach you how to put down the stones and how to mend and reconcile broken people back together into community that honors me, that honors Christ, and that bears fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. All the things our world is lacking. He says, build this rhythm into your life. Talk about it when you're in the car with your kids or when you're with your spouse. Pray on it, reflect on it as God gives you gifts or as challenges come into your life. That this is both a relational uh, uh, aspect and a prescriptive, this is what we are supposed to do as God's children, as part of God's family. And so what does that look like practically? Well, I had referenced this verse a couple weeks ago, but today we're going to dive a little bit deeper. And this comes from Micah, it's Micah 6.8, and it says this, He, being God, has shown you, O mortal, what is good. I love how he says this, right? You, O mortal, you are not God. I am not God as your pastor. You are not God as the head of your household, right? No, we are human. We are mortal, and that's okay. That's how God designed us. So what is good? And what does the Lord require of you? I think that is one of the chief questions all of us ask. Okay, if we are going to cultivate our spiritual maturity, what does that look like? What are you going to require of me? And it's just three things. To do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. That word to do justice there, God is not saying, all right, now I need all of you guys to saddle up the, uh, what is that, the Willie Nelson song, right? Uh, Whiskey for my men, beer for my horses. Now, if you are a cop, if you are in the military, then you have a vocation. You have a holy calling to seek justice like we normally think of justice, right? And God has literally put you there to keep the peace, to keep us safe. But to the rest of us, to do justice is not saying, hey, we're all going to arm up and we're going to fix this problem. No, to do justice in the biblical sense was to say, how do we restore everyone? How do we put everyone, how do we seek the best for everyone? That's what justice meant. And so that could mean if someone was taken advantage of, we seek justice for them. But to do that, to live in that posture, but then we get, and to love mercy. And I love this word. This word mercy in Hebrew is hesed. And when I was in seminary, if you had a prof that was translating, and all of a sudden they hit this word hesed, they would just get more excited. Uh, Greek, our seminary profs are kind of, they're strange folk. To be a uh, professor at seminary, you have to have a little bit of oddity to you. And almost all of them loved either Greek or Hebrew more. And if they loved Hebrew more, they would find this word hesed and their eyes would start to flutter. They would be a little bit more excited and they'd tell you, hesed is the very character of God. It's used over 248 times in the Old Testament. And it's translated a bunch of different ways because the word is so full of the character of God. Sometimes it's translated as the loving kindness of God. Sometimes it's translated as the mercy of God. But ultimately, when it says hesed, it's referring to the very character of God. Everything that God is, everything that God stands for, everything that God is doing is summed up in Hesed. In fact, ancient Jewish scholars 
would say that the entire Torah starts with Hesed and ends with Hesed. The Torah was the first five books of the Bible, essentially saying that everything that you read about who God is and what God is doing and what God is trying to accomplish is Hesed. And Micah 6.8 says, for us to love Hesed, to embrace all that our God is and all that our God is doing. And the other aspect of this word is it's not an adjective. It's not purely describing God, but it's the activity of God. And when you look at the Hebrew of it, it actually means an expansive activity. So if God has loving kindness, it's not static. It's not just for one group of people, but it rolls out further and further until all the world, all the universe is covered with it. If our God has mercy, it's an active verb that isn't for one community, but rolls out into every community. You see, when Micah says to love Hesed, what it is saying is embrace everything that your father is doing. All of it. And then participate in it. Lock arms with God. And to walk humbly with him as you participate in activity of loving kindness, of mercy, of caring for the marginalized. To seek justice. And to walk humbly with our God. And you see, as we do that, as we live that out as individuals, our homes, our neighbors, our communities start to see that. Again, this is from Phil Vishner. He says this, The world doesn't learn about God by watching Christian media. And this is the guy who was the king of Christian media saying this, right? At one point, VeggieTales was by far the most influential quote-unquote Christian media. He says, The world doesn't learn about God by watching Christian media. The world learns about God by watching Christians. Hear that again, guys. It's not sharing a worship song on Facebook that is going to tell your non-Christian friends or, quite frankly, your Christian friends about God. That's not how they're going to learn about who God is. That's not how they're going to learn about Hesed, God's loving kindness and mercy and activity. It's not going to be how they learn about justice. No, the world learns about God by watching Christians. The world learns about God by watching me and by watching you. And so if that's true, and I truly believe it is, Jesus says the world you will know, will know you are my disciples, my followers, if you love one another. Then the question for today, and quite frankly all of 2020 is, so then what, what is the world learning about through you? As they watch us, as they watch us when we're online, sharing something on Facebook, what is the world learning about God? When they watch us, and this is where I get really convicted, when I'm driving down the road and someone cuts me off, what is the world learning about God? When I'm with family and friends and I'm frustrated or I'm celebrating something, what is the world learning about God? You see, as long as we are in that rhythm of doing justice, of loving mercy, hasad, and walking humbly with God, then the world learns who our God is. Right? That's the challenge for each of us. 
That is the goal of cultivating a home that matures spiritually, is that it echoes out. It's ever expansive. Then it no longer is just about what God is doing in our home. But as the world watches our home and sees how it's different, and sees how it's countercultural to what the world is doing, what the world is telling us, what the world is trying to expand or advocate for. The world learns about the God that we have. They learn about the chesed of our God, this loving kindness, this mercy. And then they start to ask the question, like the very first verse we started with today, what shall we do? We see this Jesus in you. We see this God in you. What is he calling us to do? And then we get to respond with Peter. Repent. Be baptized. Because we have a God who loves you. A God who has plans for you. A God who died for you. And a God who now wants to encapsulate you in his family. He wants you to be able to understand what this hesed is, this loving kindness, this mercy is, what real justice is. And this God wants a relationship with you. And he wants you to be a part of this ever-expanding kingdom that our God is building here on earth all the way into heaven. Amen, church. That's what it looks like to cultivate a home that is spiritually maturing. So every week, we've been having a different way to kind of practice this out And last week we had the the jar or the bowl of thankfulness. And that's something that we're going to continue on all the way through the end of the year. But today there is a YouVersion Bible reading that we're going to go through. It's seven days in the book of Proverbs. And it's a simple scripture. Uh, Typically it's one to six verses. And one of the great things about Proverbs is if you want more wisdom into your family, if you want to know more specific wisdom, practical application, how do I handle work? How do I handle my finances? How do I handle my kids? Proverbs is the book for you. It's our father's book to his family to say, hey, if you want practical ways to practice your faith, to trust in God, and to live that out, Proverbs is the book for you. And so we're going to be doing that as a church. Uh, I believe the link is going to be in the uh, comments, and so you can literally click on that link. It'll pull you to the app, uh, and then you can start that seven-day journey as we go through the book of Proverbs. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Acts Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at actschurchleander.com.